Hello, and welcome to Mike, DJ, and Doc, the show that plants seeds for cultivating new culture. Hello, welcome back to the Mike, DJ, and Doc podcast. If you're listening for the first time, uh, welcome. And if you didn't heard us before, you're family. And we thank you for tuning back in. All right, Doc, DJ, how y'all been doing? Man, been well. Been well. Oh, yes. All is well. <laughs> yeah. It's football season, so yes. <laughs> yes. So the NFL will be starting up real soon here. This yeah. month. Be kicking it off. Yes. Great, great. Yes. Real quick, since you mentioned that, who are you picking to go to Super Bowl this year? Oh, wow. Man. Oh, boy. Um, Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, Tennessee Titans. <clears throat> All right. All right. Of course, Tennessee, because you from Tennessee down here. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm just throwing out that I think it's Philadelphia's time this time. They were just a little bit short last year. And I think gotcha. the Eagles going to do it this time. Yeah, anyway, yeah, just yeah. want to throw that out there. <laughs> All right. All right. Yes. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a very, uh, very important subject today. And uh, it deals with helping our brothers and sisters return to society. And when we're talking about our brothers and sisters, we're talking about our our family and different members who have been incarcerated and how do we acclimate them back to society in a smooth transition. And we know that it currently set up is a little rough right now, but we're going to talk about a lot of different things that cover that area. But before we get started with that, we have a very special guest today. We have... Joining us, the 43rd Illinois Senator, Rachel Ventura. Y'all give me All a right. Yeah. In studio. Oh, In studio. <laughs> yes. I'm going to try to go slow today because, you know, I get excited when we have guests in here. So I'm going <laughs> to try to relax a little bit more so that we can really just have a smooth conversation. But just to give you just a little bit of background on the senator. She is over the communities and mostly in Will County. It's uh, Bolingbrook, Romeoville, Woodridge, where I went to Lockport, Lockport High School. Yes. Mm. Sherwood, Naperville, Preston Heights, Fairmont, Manhattan, Braidwood, Wilmington, Elwood, and Rockdale. Over these cities and villages, she represents them. And a lot of the major employee companies in the area, like Argonne National Laboratory, uh, one of the newest ones to our area that we had talked about before, Lion Electric Bus Buses. Mm. They manufacture electric buses right here in Will County. So that's one of the new uh, manufacturers to the area. Of course, Caterpillar, Amazon, Ikea, those different things. And then the energy sector, Sitgo, Commonwealth Edison, just to name a few. And then also over in the healthcare. She uh, represents Amita Healthcare, that area, like St. Joe's Hospital that we re- we know about, Civil Cross, Edwards, colleges, uh, Wabonzi Community College, I believe, mm-hmm. Joliet uh, Community College, and then also Harris Casino, Lewis College, and University of St. Francis. So all these areas are in her district that she represents. So when she goes to the state, these are who the people she's are fighting for. Mm. She is fighting for okay. So again, let's give her a warm welcome here. Thank you, Senator. If you don't mind, if you want to share something else with us, to let us know what you're all about. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of a background. Um, Mm -hmm. I was born and raised here in Joliet. My parents are union workers, now retired. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom was a teacher. My dad was a bridge tender. Before I was born, my dad served on the Will County Board. Um, I went to school at Lyle, uh, Benedictine University, and got my degree in mathematics. I then worked for some insurance companies and found that I felt like I was selling pieces of my soul away to make somebody else trillions of dollars. (laughs) So um, I did that for a few years. And I, um, at the time, was also a volunteer at the Wildlife Waste Station out in California, Mm -hmm. trying to help um, exotic animals that people thought they could take care of, didn't have the right licensing. And then um, those animals, they, they can't go into the zoo or back into the wild. So a lot of times they are um, destroyed unless these way stations or uh, wildlife um, uh, refugees take a in. So I was doing that and I thought, you know what, I, I want to go back to school, get my uh, degree in biology, go to vet school. 
I then worked as a pet nurse, um, ended up moving coast to coast. I, I finished my degree in Virginia and I was working for a vet hospital. And I realized the healthcare system, whether it's humans or animals, it's about profit. I mean, there are some exceptions out there for sure, but a lot of it is generated by profit. And I said, this is still not what I want to be doing. I want to be, you know, helping people, planet, you know, animals. Um, we moved to Georgia at that time. I then got married to a, a military man and uh, I worked as a naturalist in the Georgia mm -hmm. State Parks, restoring our longleaf pine forests and trying to save the endangered gopher tortoise. Absolutely love that. Um, had my twin girls that out in Georgia. And then um, the Navy sent us to uh, Washington. We actually had orders to Japan, but because mm -hmm. of the tsunami, we got replaced into Washington. And I did kind of a 180. I started working in publishing, um, but I still was, I would say, politically motivated. I didn't consider myself a politician or mm -hmm. ever thought I would be a politician. Um, but when we started fighting uh, against the GMO uh, like a roundup and stuff like that that was mm. killing our bees, I started to really see the political ties and the money and the lobbyists and the you know commercials and the misleading. Mm. All of that impacted uh, California and Washington. We're trying to pass uh, grocery labeling uh, for our food. Mm -hmm. And those failed because of the amount of money that was put into it. Um, from that, though, I say there's always two ways to vote, one with your dollar and one at the at the polls. Um, people created the non-GMO labeling, what you see in grocery stores today. Mm -hmm. And that did not come out of legislation. That came out of people just buying those products. And it became popular in its own right. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of created their own standards for it. Mm -hmm. So that was, a, I, I did a lot of um, organizing with that to do rallies and walk marks and education. And in 2016, I, I went through a divorce and I moved back okay. here to Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I was quite shocked at the state Joliet had become when I left in the late 90s mm -hmm. to when I returned uh, in 2016. Um, mm -hmm. There's trash everywhere. I remember one day I was driving by Haunted Trails, if you know where that is. And oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Plastic bags in the trees over there. And I thought, what happened to my hometown? I went to my dad's house. I was complaining to him about it. He said, what are you going to do about it? I said, I don't know, a cleanup. He said, no, run for office. <laughs> and I remember saying to my dad, I said, that is the dumbest idea I ever heard. <laughs> I said, the kids and I live in a 10 by 10 room right now, the three of us, with whatever we could fit in our car. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going through a divorce. I'm changing careers. Like, this is not the time for me. you know. And, and I'm not the apex of a politician. You know, I cuss and mm. I'm real. And I tell yeah. people how it is, even when it's, you know, not so tactful. Uh -huh. So he said, no nonsense. Go down to the city hall, see what they're doing down there. And uh, they were talking about defunding the Rialto. And I had acted there as a little girl. And the the camel that broke the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was when um, just seeing how our mayor treated people at the time, um, mm -hmm. bullying them, cutting them off, being rude, you mm -hmm. know, just not listening. And I thought, mm -hmm. where's the respect? Like these mm -hmm. are our leaders. And I said, no wonder Trump's rising to power if this is what our local government looks like. Mm -hmm. And I went home Ooh. from that meeting. And I told my dad, all right, I'll run for office. What do I have to do? And he was old school because he ran in the '70s. So uh -huh. he took me down to clerk's office, got the the rolls, the clerk rolls printed out on mm -hmm. 14 by 11 papers, got a ruler out, started highlighting these are the houses we're going to hit. And we went and knocked doors. And that was my wow. intro into politics. <laughs> Literally boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. Grassroots yeah. built it up. Yeah. Even though you had experience from your dad, well, had some, he had experience. But still, you started from ground zero, basically. Yeah, and I utilized the different jobs I'd had um, mm -hmm. in the past, not knowing what they were kind of preparing me for. Mm -hmm. um, everything from, you know, my background as, as math. We used the data. We looked at how did people vote? Where did they vote? What are the zip codes that are heavy? And we targeted those areas, right? Mm -hmm. So we worked smarter, not harder. We worked pretty hard, though. <laughs> but then, you know, I, I um, actually sold scrapbooking for a while. So doing house parties and persuasion, I mean, that's mm -hmm. a big part of sales and expanding your audiences. We mm -hmm. did the same thing. I worked in marketing and advertising with the publishing company. So mm -hmm. I built my own websites. I did social media. I mean, I utilized all those skills, not knowing how important they would be to a grassroots candidate. Because when mm -hmm. you don't have hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, you've right. got to produce these things in a different way. Mm -hmm. The cheapest way to do it is go knock on someone's door and talk with them. But to do these large areas, you need to get volunteers. So we encourage people to get out and fight mm -hmm. for their city, fight for their county. 
Um, I served on the county board from uh, 2018 to 2022, and I was also the uh, vice president of our forest preserve. Mm -hmm. Um, I ran for Congress in 2020 Mm -hmm. and got 42% of the vote in the primary, which was very close. Um, I had $65,000. My opponent had $5 million and was the incumbent. Um, Mm -hmm. And then... There was a lot of pressure for me to run for Congress again. And I ran for Congress because I believe we need Medicare for all. We need health care for everybody. We need a Green New Deal. We need a planet to live on. Um, And these are just some of the basics. But in 2020, when there was pressure for me to run, uh, they recut the whole district. It was going to be a whole new fight. And I thought, I cannot put my children back through this as a Mm -hmm. single mom, you know, balancing that. Thank God my parents are very supportive. Mm -hmm. So I remember calling brand new Congress that morning and say, I've seen the maps. I'm not running. That afternoon, the state senator announced that he was running for judge and would not be seeking the 43rd Senate seat. And I thought, what about one door closing and another one? Right. (laughs) Exactly. So then I I ran for Senate. um, And I remember thinking I, I didn't want to be a part of state government because of how toxic Madigan had made things. And mm-hmm. I thought, how if you're not kissing the ring, how are you ever going to get something done? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it happened so happened that, you know, he was stepping down at the time I ran. I thought, again, you know, the, the universe had aligned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we're doing some really great things in Illinois, some really mm-hmm. bold things, especially when it comes to criminal justice mm-hmm. and, and as, as well as with the environment. So I'm really happy to work with um, my colleagues in the Senate to really push the envelope on some of these issues. Well, that that is awesome. I mean, that's like you said, you've been really hitting it. And like you said, I'm, I refer back to the grassroots. How did you communicate your purpose to the volunteers? Because see, just telling volunteers this, that, and the other, because you had, you, you had purpose when you when you came back and how everything lined up. How was it communicating that to the volunteers? Because even like in politics, some of the people that tune in are entrepreneurs. And, you know, they deal with marketing, different things like that. And, you know, in line is reaching people, whatever you provide, service or whatever. How did you get that message out? Well, I think it's a couple of things. One is being authentic. Right now, there's such a hunger for people to be who they are on the inside and to to put that out there, not Mm -hmm. be afraid to do that. But the other thing is connecting with other people. They're frustrated right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think everybody right here can agree that we're frustrated Mm -hmm. with our government, that Mm -hmm. there are taxpayer dollars, but they're not serving the community in the way that we would like to see that. Um, Mm -hmm. I am one of two senators who do not take any corporate PAC dollars. So my slogan is I will never be bought and paid for. I am here for the people and I'm going to vote for the people. Um, And so having that connection, it's Mm -hmm. hope that things can change, that it's Mm -hmm. not just our government isn't just going to focus on the rich or the powerful or the people who've always had power, that we can actually start to share some of that power and and be what our government's supposed to be of Mm -hmm. buying for the people. Um, That's not going to happen until a lot of things change. It makes it hard (laughs) with Citizens United. But when Mm -hmm. you have leaders willing to say, I'm not going to take those dollars. Yes, I know it's harder because mm-hmm. now I have to talk to more people. I have to, you know, get out there and knock doors. But that's what the volunteers liked. It didn't have anything to do with me as, it mu- as much as it had to do with their vision of what they'd like their government to be. And that's mm-hmm. one that actually respects the people who were there to govern mm-hmm. and listens to their ideas and empowers them to live the best life that they want to live. Yes, and that's yes. it. I, that's what I want to represent. That's what I'm out there doing. You know, I believe like Gandhi that you've got to be the change you want to see in the world mm-hmm. and i think other volunteers feel the same way yeah yeah that's true that is true because like you said we we have a lot of people that probably like you said lack the confidence to even go after what they need but like you said if the government can work hand in hand with communities and community leaders and different things like that and i think they're trying because you're an example of that that they're trying to actually get out i mean when i look at some of the stuff that's been on your page prior for the summer I see you all over the place. You know what I'm saying? And it's not a campaign campaign year. You know, most times you see politicians out when it's time to get the votes and start mm-hmm. to run for something. I mean, you're busy right now everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see you marching with the uh, St. Um, I guess we can refer to them as St. Joe's yeah, nurses. Yeah, St. Joe's nurses, yeah. You know, but really it's a meter. But those of us who grew up here forever St. know St. it as St. Joe's, yeah. mm-hmm. Joseph's Hospital. I see you out there on the, on the lines with them. I seen you uh, also doing another podcast with some other young ladies. Uh, Happy is the new pretty or yeah. something. I got to listen to a little bit of that. So I mean, you make yourself available to people. So that, that's 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 huge. That's huge in doing that. And uh, 
So we're going we gonna to go ahead and get farther into our discussion today. Because when you mention criminal justice, that's kind of where we're at in this topic today by helping our brothers and sisters return to society. So we're going to set the table with a quote from a former president, George W. Bush. And he says, America is the land of a second chance. And when the gates of the prison open, the path ahead should lead to a better life. I'm going to say that again. America is the land of a second chance. And when the gates of the prison open, the path ahead should lead to a better life. So we're going to take a quick break here. And then we're going to come back and we're going to open up our discussion talking about different things that you are putting in place to help that transition from our brothers and sisters that are locked up to transition back into society. This podcast is brought to you by Silver Cup Investments. All right. Welcome back to the Mike, DJ, and Doc podcast, where our special guest is Senator Ventura. Now, back in May, I had the opportunity to attend a luncheon with the ABBA organization, which is the African American Business Association here in Will County, where the president is Christopher Parker and the vice president is none other than Carmen Carter of Carmen Realty. And they set up this luncheon where they had three of the uh, top politicians in this area from the federal level all the way down to the county level come in and talk to small businesses about certain things that they could do to get involved and get more things from the government to help build up the community and build up their businesses. And one of the... uh, Attendees was Lauren Underwood, which is a member of Congress, House of Representatives in the 14th District. None other was Senator uh, Ventura from uh, Illinois state level. And then we had from the Will County Executive President, which was Jennifer Bertino Tehran. And they all discussed different programs that are being available for individuals with small business to take part in. But one of the things that stood out in the meeting to me was when Senator started talking about some of the things that she was putting in place or working with others putting in place to help the people trans, uh, transition back out of the correctional center. And if I'm not mistaken, you were just coming back from maybe an all-nighter when they was passing like we had the, uh, just passed the, the $50 <laughs> billion budget or something. You So you was out all night voting on that, and then made it to that meeting. Yep. Mm. Talking about uh, commitment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they had just passed the $50 billion budget for the state of Illinois. And one thing you brought up was a bill that you was working on to help inmates receive IDs before they leave prison. Tell us, uh, how, how is that important and what's the impact that can have on an individual leaving? Yeah, so I'm excited to say that that bill did pass. Um, And so now uh, the governor will be working with the secretary of state to make sure that that happens with the Department of Corrections. But the importance of this, as you know, people, anyone can can know that you can't get an apartment or house without an ID. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't you can't get a job most of the times without a driver's license or an ID. Um, That comes down to address, too. Right. You need to have an address. So we know that there are barriers to anybody from getting job, education, housing. Um, We know that those barriers are higher when you're coming out of, you know, a state facility and you really need to get the leg up. So it's very difficult um, sometimes to get the paperwork that you need, especially if you haven't been given some of these resources by like your parents. Right. Social security Mm -hmm. card, birth certificate. You know, these might be unknown um, aspects to you. So um, what we feel is that if you've locked this person up and you assume that they have an identity, mm-hmm. that um, the state help you produce that the paperwork that is needed. That means that our secretary of state might have to work with the Social Security office to, mm-hmm. you know, redo some of those documents. Um, they might need to work with different hospitals to procure birth certificates if they're not on file with the county. Hopefully they are on file with the county. And it's just a matter of pulling that together. Um, But that's a lot of stuff for someone to do if they don't know those steps, even get some of that basic paperwork. Mm -hmm. So we just add that additional barricade um, that doesn't need to be there. Um, Because, again, if we lock this person up under the name of Joe Smith and we thought they were Joe Smith, 
you know, well then help them prove it because <laughs> you arrested them as Joe Smith. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now if there if there is an issue with, you know, names, sometimes people don't always give their right name when they've been arrested mm-hmm. by the police. Um, and then that's how the courts proceed with the name that's given. Really? So yeah, it's, it's baffling to believe that, but it is absolutely possible that they move forward on that. Now, uh, I think nowadays it's a lot different, right? Mm-hmm. We tried fingerprinting technology. Everything's a little bit different now, but there are people who are serving that did not have to prove identity when they went through um, the court system. Wow. And so as they're leaving, we want to make sure they have the best opportunity to get housing, to mm-hmm. get a job, um, to drive a car safely. I mean, that's another aspect of it is transportation as mm-hmm. um you know, if you've never taken your driver's license, how are you going to get from point A to point B? We are seeing, you know, our public dollars that go towards busing. Some it's not enough, and the riderships are low on some of these things. So, Pace buses is rolling back some of those lines. We see CTA having mm-hmm. some of those same problems. So, um, you know, I think part of that is going to be a shift as they move into maybe more of a, like an Uber model or a dial and ride mm-hmm. type model. But we're not there yet, so it's really hard for people to get you know from point A to point B if they can't give a driver's license or can't get a car. So we recognize that these are things, but what can the state do? The state can absolutely work and facilitate um, responses between agencies to get that information Mm -hmm. so that when someone walks off that present property, they have a state ID or a driver's license so that they're able to have the best possibility in getting housing um, and a job. Yeah, see that that is so important, but my mind is blown that they could Mm -hmm. be in there and nobody even had their real name. <laughs> they can't and not even have the real name on file. So that that's kind of mind blowing in itself. And but it's like I said, it's people like you that see that as important, that's something that needs to be done. That's been overlooked for probably many years. And I mean, if we look back on time, I mean you probably know somebody, I know somebody, or whatever the case may be. Doc probably knows somebody that's probably done came out and had these issues and see and it causes this what we know is recidivism mm-hmm. when a person gets out and they done been locked up for so long, they can't come back into society. So now they acquiesce back to that area that they left. And then they go back and start hanging out with some of those friends that they used to hang out with before they got locked up for whatever reason, because that's the only family of probably people they know. Well, if they are on the outside, hasn't changed their lifestyle or what they're doing, and then you come back out, that's how sometimes you are reintroduced to that and then somehow end up right back in prison. Yeah. But if you have, like you said, some kind of aid as you leaving to put you in the direct path or a better path to going somewhere different, you can fight all of that returning back to prison. Now, y'all probably remember on episode 15 and 16, we had uh, Garland Mace, which is the Will County uh, Community Engagement Coordinator. And he came on in. He talked about his life. And his life was, the name of it was church, prison, and public office. Now, for those who haven't heard it, go back and look that up. Episode 15 and 16, church, prison, and public office, where he talked about, me and him, as kids, we grew up in the church. And after high school, he went one direction, I went another direction. And we're not going to get into all the detail, but he ended up in prison. But when he got out of prison, he didn't have that situation where he ended up going back. He never went back. And we're going to talk that a little bit later when we talk about the mental and the spiritual part of it. Because something that he did in his life, well, first of all, he had a family waiting on him. That was Mm -hmm. there to love him in spite of what he's doing. And what he had did, and it was a stable family. So when he was able to come back, he was able to, how you say, stay away from the other crowd long enough to go in a different direction. Yeah, I have a a bill that we're working on, and it's a contentious bill. It's Senate Bill 1441. And -hmm. what it does is it um, says that you cannot use someone's criminal background against them for housing or it would be a violation of your human rights. We have fought with the realtors on this. We continue mm-hmm. to have discussion with them. Uh, we've morphed the bill into kind of New Jersey's model of they can offer the housing first and then uh, potentially check the criminal record. That's not the direction I would like to go, but I to see. get the votes we need in the Senate, um, it may be a direction we have to go. So we're in negotiations with what that looks like. But to your point about going home, going to somewhere stable, 
DOC will not release you without an address of where you're going to. So mm-hmm. if you don't have a stable household, if your friends are still maybe in gangs or, or you know, causing mm-hmm. trouble themselves, and that's the only address you have to give, then yeah, you're setting yourself up for a temptation that may not be best for your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure cool. people have the ability to get into housing on their own accord uh, and be able to have that stable lifestyle that they create for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to continue to be a fight. This is not mm-hmm. going to be an easy bill that we just introduce and get passed. It is going to be one of those educating and having people who've had lived experiences contact their House members, contact their Senate members and say, you know, housing was a huge step to me not going back into prison. Mm-hmm. And this bill is needed um, because at the end of the day, time served is time served. Yeah. And I know a lot of that's a shift in mindset for a lot of people because some people see prison as punishment. That person did harm. They deserve to be punished. But that's actually not what mm-hmm. our justice system is about or it's okay. not what it's supposed to be about. Mm-hmm supposed to be about rehabilitation. So, I mean, Stateville is in my district and, you know, it's amazing that we have restorative justice programs there. They're mm-hmm. new. They were introduced this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, how that, how the benefit that we see as people are coming out will be a determining factor for the future. So we want these programs to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, they have education programs there. You can get your master's degree, your mm-hmm. your uh, bachelor's degree, your GED while in serving at Stateville. Wow. These are some of the programs that we're going to continue to push for so that it really is about rehabilitation. There's group therapy, there's counseling, <clears throat> there's, you know, it goes beyond is something you might see on like Orange is the New Black where they're, mm. you know, they don't want to talk to the counselor. There's actual times where people yeah. are speaking with the other incarcerated individuals on shared experiences and healing some of that trauma. And that mm. kind of ties into some of that spiritual mindfulness we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. But the idea that if you have served the time that our justice system said was appropriate and you took the opportunity for some of these things our uh, Department of Corrections has offered, mm-hmm. we want you to utilize that when you get out. Mm-hmm. And that means things like housing, driver's license. We have workforce hubs all over the, the state right now. We're going to mm-hmm. continue to have more. It's tied to the CJA bill, the Climate Equitable Jobs Act. Okay. So, And they are targeting places that... Um, historically have not had some of the best job growth, places that have been redlined in the past so that Mm -hmm. our black, brown brothers and sisters can get jobs that historically went to white families. Um, And this has been a big push for Governor Pritzker. So we want to make sure people can utilize that. They can utilize education Mm -hmm. when they're in the system. And when they get out, they have the best opportunity to be, you know, come back into society Mm -hmm. because time served is time served. And it's going to take us a long time to get people to understand that this isn't about punishment, that one mistake doesn't grant mm-hmm. you a life sentence. Oh, oh you, you said a mouthful there because some, so many times people are punished for their past sins and nobody never has shows them the mercy or the grace to get over it. And then it stops them from moving forward. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they trying to get jobs and stuff like that. I know an incident at our job, and I'm not going to call a name on the podcast, but I know an incident at our job where a guy had got hired, turned in all his stuff and told him that, okay, he had this felony on his thing or whatever. Mm. And he went past all the drug tests, everything was hired, about to walk in the door. And all of a sudden they pulled it up and said, wait, you a felon? He said, I told you that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he ended up not getting a job. He had a job before that, but that stopped him from walking through the door, something that he had done did years ago in his life in his younger age yep. and had moved on and matured from, and he disclosed it up front. And then yet, just before he got to walk through the door, it, it came up and stopped him. And it could have been a life, and it's a life-changing job for some people that yep. live in this area and know about this job we work at. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you, if y'all want to know, y'all can go to our Facebook page or whatever to see that. But anyway, that... That still is like being punished for something that you already served your time for. Mm. And how some people can't get over that because then they say, well, why should I try? Why should I move on? Because, you know, at this point, it's everywhere I go, I keep getting the door slammed in my face mm-hmm. no matter what. <clears throat> and then when you mentioned about some of the jobs going to the black and brown, well, that's, that's good because back in the day, guess what? Probably those doors were shut. And even if the black and brown got jobs, they were abused on those jobs because mm-hmm. folks felt like they had leverage over them to make them do extra work, probably not pay them what they should be paying them. And then you're struggling at plus fighting everything at home in the streets. 
and it's just like a a wall of of tons of bricks just falling on you all the time. Mm. But again, I'm, we we're, we're glad that now it's being recognized that it's something that needs to be changed yeah. and improved upon. Mm. You know, and that that's that's awesome. Uh, and so I'm I'm hoping that the bill, like you mentioned, that was the the Sija, but uh, uh, pronounce it for me again. Sija, yeah, Sija Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know y'all use a lot of acronyms and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that'll come to fruition and it'll pass, and then it'll, it'll change that for the for the better. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, because I'm, you know, I'm, go ahead. Y'all are rolling, man. Y'all are rolling because mm-hmm. it's, it's restoring hope. Mm-hmm. And I know of an individual that's trying right now, and it has has a, a past as a background and it is very difficult so i'll just say hey thank you for that because uh, again it some of what you said i didn't know but i I knew some of the struggles that they had as far as finding jobs and all that but that whole thing with identity and all and having in a sense having to go back to what you used to do because you have nowhere else to go that's really bringing them pulling them back into the prison like they're trying to do good but there's no help yeah. or little no help for them to stay away so they end up not that they want to do nothing but just for the sake of being able to having to survive mm-hmm. they do what they know to do and end up back yeah so that well, that's on point and from a legislative standpoint when it comes to criminal justice you know i look at the before during and after so i have legislation mm-hmm. that hits all of those right mm-hmm. we're trying to do things to prevent um people from being targeted, racially profiled and, you know, unnecessarily uh, interacted with people of our society to try and put them in prison. Right. So mm-hmm. everything from, you know, the cannabis bill uh, that talked about probable cause that's being heard by the Supreme Court in October. We're very hopeful about the outcome of that. Uh, removing dangling things from the win- windows. Uh, you can't be pulled over for that now. There was Chris Belt's bill, but I co-sponsored mm-hmm. it. Um, right here in Joliet, they've got a discussion about tents, right? Wanting to pull people over for a tent on the windows. windows. yes. And yes. it's like, look, I drive a Tesla. The factory model of that car, those windows mm-hmm. are dark as can be. So, <laughs> But you know they're not pulling over... You know, a Tesla with a mm-hmm. senator plate on there. Right. They're pulling over people with rims. And uh-huh. that's not by accident. So, uh-huh. you know, if you live here locally, please talk to your city council members about voting that down because it's just another way to harass um and then talking about during, right, continuing to to have programming, education, restorative justice, uh, you know, different types of therapy, spiritual needs, stuff like that. Um, I also am the only legislator in the United States who has an incarcerated intern right now. And we're going to be expanding that program. Mm, um, Lynn wow. Green is currently my intern. Um, he came on in the spring. We, there was a lot of hurdles we learned, even just conversations with people who are incarcerated, mm-hmm. um, you know. You probably don't know this. Maybe you do. But family members have to pay to email people who are in incarcerated. Oh, no. So, you know, it's like that's another hurdle. It's not a ton of money, but it is a hurdle where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you don't have to email it and you don't have to pay to email any of your friends and family. Right. So, again, talking about that hope, trying to make sure that, that uh, they have connections to people in the outside world that are positive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even overcoming some of those things. Um you know, I've, I go into Stateville on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. We are encouraging um, on September 26th, we're asking other lawmakers to join me on a tour of Stateville uh, with the FAM group, you know, families of individuals who are incarcerated and Restored mm-hmm. Justice will be joining us there mm-hmm. um, and try to really see what else can be done in our mm-hmm. prisons um, that are, you know, even just human rights, you know, clean water, mm-hmm. you know, areas mm-hmm. like that. There, yes. There's a lot of needs in our mm-hmm. prisons across uh, Illinois and uh, making sure sure that the programming is there. And I remember one of uh, when I was doing the interviews with the interns um, and I had asked them, you know, what programs are working here? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, do you want to know that as a prisoner or as a member of this community? And I mm-hmm. thought that really hit me. I said, well, tell me the ones as a prisoner. And he's like, these are the things that make me a better prisoner, right? The, the job, uh, workforce stuff there, mm-hmm. uh, working out, you know, maybe going some of the, the religious and um, uh education things. He goes, but the thing that makes me a better community member is the therapy. It's working with other human beings and really understanding and, and the art programs and like connecting with their humanity. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me that most of what the state focuses on is what makes us a better prisoner, you know, mm-hmm. and right. or even look at our colleges and universities, what makes you a better worker? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a lot of the programs we offer are more in that direction and less in the direction of uh, connecting with our humanity. Um, and then the last thing I deal with is um, 
the after effects, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it look like to reduce the recidivism rates? What's it look like to have success? Um, Some of that is also parole bills. So Mm -hmm. State of Illinois does not have parole. I think people are a lot of shocked. In 1978, we did away with parole. We have a mandatory, uh, basically, review afterwards. You you are... um, they call that parole because after your mm-hmm. sentence is served, you are then tracked for three years afterwards. So in my right. opinion, it's an additional three years to your sentence, right. even though you're outside the bars, you are under scrutiny that entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have a life sentence, there is no chance for parole in this state. So we have an earned reentry bill that I'm a co-sponsor on. Uh, Senator Selena Villanueva mm-hmm. is the main sponsor on. And, you know, we want to get that out where if you've served more than 20 years, that you have a chance to go before the Prisoner Review Board mm-hmm. and ask for your opportunity to come back into society. So there are people who, um, you know, we changed a couple of years ago for a medical release. And recently in the papers, mm-hmm. you know, we've got people dying in prison who, you know, dying of dementia, dementia right. you know, their organs are shutting down, cancer. These individuals are not a threat to society, but we haven't even really allowed for a regular basis of people to petition our prisoner review board to get mm-hmm. in front of them and have even compassionate release at this point. Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating because you see, I, I mean, I've gone in there and I've seen some of the most inspiring people mm-hmm. uh, that blew my mind. Well, there's probably a lot of talent in there. And they've got life sentences. Mm-hmm. So they're stuck. And mm-hmm. so it's like even trying to get individuals like that um, a chance to be a part of society and, and they do everything they can. I mean, many of these people, they they intern for other areas mm-hmm. like colleges or museums, arts to try and get some of that spoken word out in hopes mm-hmm. that the younger generations will hear it and not maybe end up where they're at. I tell you what, before we go to take a break, I just want to salute you on just having that intern. And I'll tell you, that's groundbreaking right there. When you can actually work directly with a senator while being in that's that's groundbreaking we're gonna go to break and then we'll be right back on the mike dj and doc podcast hi i'm senator rachel ventura and you're listening to the mike dj and doc podcast welcome back to the mike dj and doc podcast where we have uh illinois state senators rachel ventura joining joining us and we've been talking about helping our brothers and sisters returning to society from being incarcerated. Now we're getting ready to go into a, a another important part of it is getting over the mental and the spiritual uh, trauma or however you want to put it, the block or whatever the case. Because we know that some people, they come back physically, but they come back with a different mindset. And how do you overcome that and transfer that back into society? I mean, what from... Just the legislative. I know you. It's kind of hard to just deal with that portion of it. But what do you, what what do you think about that? I I think that there's a lot that pulls us together as humanity. And the truth of it is, we are all on our own journey, our healing journey. Some mm-hmm. of us are doing it outside of bars, and some of us are doing it behind bars. Mm-hmm. But it's a choice that we make to deal with our trauma, to deal with our the judgments that have been put on us, mm-hmm. our own judgments that we put on oh, ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean. There are people who are inside of prison in their own minds, right, who have created a reality of of who they have to be, what they have to do to please other people. And Mm -hmm. they're disconnected with the authentic self on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a whole different type of prison, um, but it's a struggle nonetheless. And Mm -hmm. I think that um, what I have experienced from people who are incarcerated and have shared with me is you know, one of the things that got them there was the thought that they didn't deserve anything better. And they bought into that belief. Right. And so maybe they went down gangs or theft or, uh, you know, violence because Mm -hmm. they felt that that was the, the choice and the path presented before them. Mm -hmm. Um, but the people who don't believe that any longer are the ones who are doing great things, right? And th- these are some of the individuals who are part of some of the education programs, the think tanks that are there, the uh, group circles that are mm-hmm. there, because they realize that that was somebody else's judgment on them that they've adopted, and they can choose to not believe that judgment anymore. They can choose to rewrite that narrative for themselves mm-hmm. and what their value is. And I get that that's hard. I mean, that's hard for anybody mm-hmm. um, when you're fighting the entire society, your family your friends, you know, there's a lot of negative um, labels that are put out there by people who are supposed to love us that we have to overcome. 
But I think it is in that healing and in overcoming that mm -hmm. that shifts the mindset to truly start to believe that you not only deserve great things, but you will be great in your own right. Wow. Yes. yes. But Doc, I mean, what do, what do you think about that? Because, you know, like you said, you deal with people all the time that's trying to overcome spiritual and uh, mental challenges. Yes. And and that is a phenomenal uh, breakdown, Senator. Um, thank you for that, Senator Rachel. Um, very, um, very powerful. I was I mean that you truly blessed me by what you just said to know that you're able to um, look at life and see it from that perspective. You know, because a lot of people are mentally in shame and uh, and in bondage, you know, um, you know, they're free physically, but they're bound up mentally. So to be able to look at it from both aspects is truly a dynamic. So what rehabilitation comes down to is a person's perception, um, how they see themselves, what they believe about themselves, you know, because. You can't override a person's perception of themselves. If they think they're unworthy and they're no more than a drug habit or, you know, a fight, a gun, a battle, or rock, if, they, if their perception isn't changed, there's nothing you can do for a person beyond their perception. You understand? You, yep. you know, the old statement, you can take them to the water, but, you know, you can't make them drink. You know, it's their perception. Do I deserve to drink? Am I worthy of a drink? You know, so because a person's perception then establishes the law of attraction in their lives. You attract who you are, what you perceive to be. So if even if a person gets out of any kind of prison, mentally, physically, or whatever, if they come out and if their mindset is to believe that I'm going to do better, I am a better person. You know, um, I'm doing everything necessary. I will attract my belief. You know, there's no way around that. You understand? I mean, it's it's all in a person's perception because you got you got beautiful people in this world today that will go into interviews. They're not going to hire me. They're not going to like me. <laughs> they're not going to accept me. I hope they're not looking at me. Why? Because they're mentally locked up. And you look at them, you're like, you're a beautiful person, but their perception is not that. So therefore, they're already defeated because of their own perception. You know, so if you think like a winner, you know, I mean, you will draw, you will attract victories. If you think of defeat, you will attract losses. And that that's a that's an even kill that no matter where you are at in life, you it's your confidence, you know. So even in the Bible, it says, cast not away your confidence. Because it has a great reward. Because if you're not confident within yourself, and if you don't believe you can, man, guess what? You probably can't. You probably won't. You know, and, and once again, you cannot override no one's belief of their own self. No matter what programs, no matter what you put in place, no matter what you establish for them, no matter, you know, you, you can lay it all out in front of them. If they don't believe that they can have it, or that it, they can do better, they're not. I had a mentor and tell I, me one time that you can't that like I can't want it more than you want it because mm -hmm. yes. as a as the teacher as the you know the employer, yes. just because I want it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you're going to make it happen. You have Correct. to want it. I can mm -hmm. give you the resources and the tools, but you you know I can try to empower you, but you have to take those steps. So mm -hmm. I completely agree, um, and. To the point about attracting uh, things, when you change your mindset, you will start to find, you know, the people who come before you to to present you with a different perception mm -hmm. that you just have to adapt at that point. But you have to make that first step. So mm -hmm. there was a story I want to tell you about an incarcerated individual who wanted less time. Right. So they say, well, if you go take this education course, you'll have less time. And so he said, all right, you know, I don't want to be in here forever. I want to get out. And so th that first shift of mindset. So he goes and gets his GED. And, um, you know, he at first he was like, I'm just doing this to get less time. <laughs> but then we started learning stuff. He really, you know, he had a thirst for it. He was like, wow, you know, they never explained it like this to me in, in high school and stuff. And mm -hmm. so he, he started to excel in it. And after he got his GED, he had gone... Um, to get his score or whatever to, you know, his mm -hmm. professor or the teacher at the time. And they said, oh, yeah, it's over there on the table. You can go grab it. Mm -hmm. And he picked it up and it had a score on there. But underneath it, it said um, college ready. Mm 
And he wow. said he, nobody had ever considered him Spoken being college ready. And that he right. said that just reading that, thinking somebody else thought this of me was enough to get him to be involved. He now has his master's degree. Wow. Awesome. Because that, that door was open and that fire yeah. was lit. Yep. That door yes. was open and that fire was lit. Wow. And the amazing thing he did, he took an initiative mm -hmm. to, to jumpstart something in his life. That's right. Towards education, the initiative. That's another thing. People have to bring their own initiative. You got to bring your initiative. Mm -hmm. He started something and, you know, it was a snowball effect, like trying to get out of debt. And it creates, you know, and next thing, momentum picked up. Yeah. Now, he went from not even having no education, a high school diploma, GED, nothing. Didn't you say to a master's degree? Yep. Come on. I mean, and he could have chose, he could have read that and chose to believe mm -hmm. he was not college ready. He could have chose yes. to believe they write that on everyone's paper, right? He, but by choosing to believe wow. what he yes. read, that mm -hmm. he's college ready, was yes. everything, right? And so it's, yes. we do attract people around us who will give us those opportunities, but mm -hmm. we still have to adopt them. We still have to, you know, have that in our lives and that, that belief. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they yes. say change starts with yourself. And I, I mean, I subscribe to that a thousand percent. <laughs> say that again. I, say that one change more time. Change starts say, with what? yourself. Yeah, okay, yeah. Change starts Excellent. with yourself. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like we could want, yes. I mean, I would love love to write some legislation uh -huh. that made the world perfect, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> I would right. love to legislate a way of hate, uh -huh. but that's not how it works. But what it does is how do I treat people in my life? Do mm -hmm. When I meet someone and they're yelling and screaming at me, do I scream back or do I reserve my energy for something positive and just say, you know, I'm going to excuse myself now and just mm -hmm. treat them with the respect that they deserve. Maybe at that moment, their actions don't deserve it, but mm -hmm. as a human being, they still deserve it. Mm -hmm. So I can choose to be kind and walk away or I can choose to be toxic and evil and hateful mm -hmm. and then just what then become that. I don't want to become right. that. So I think the way that we do it is we all try to be the best version of ourselves and mm -hmm. it will have rippling effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tell That's you good. what, that was a powerful segment. We're going to take our last break and we'll be back with there it is. This podcast is brought to you by Silver Cup Investments. All right, welcome back to the Mike, DJ, and Doc podcast. Senator, we want to ask you, uh, do you have anything coming up that you want to share with the people before we uh, finish up this podcast? Yeah, I have a lot of um, legislation that we've been working on. There's a lot of events coming up. Probably the best way to stay in touch with me is to follow me at Senator Ventura on any social media platform. So SenatorVentura.com is my website, and we're on every social media platform. But, uh, you know, I want to keep passing bills that are for and by the people. So if you have legislation that you are interested in, you can contact. We have a place on my website to submit legislation ideas. We review all of them. Um, we uh, really try to interact with our community. So if there's events you'd like me to come and attend, I'm happy to do so. Happy to talk at different events. You know, we want to have our government be so accessible by people mm -hmm. that it seems seamless. And you got to walk the walk to make it happen. All right. Well, thank you so much, yeah. Senator Rachel Ventura. <laughs> we really enjoyed having you on the Mike DJ and Doc podcast. Thank you so much. And I will continue to check out your website and different things like that. Because, we, again, we're going to want to have you back on here to check, with, check in with you, like you say, every now and then. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. You, you're welcome. And yes. God bless you. Yeah. All right. We're going to have There It Is. All right, good job. All right, today as we get ready to wrap up our show, I want to look at Galatians 6 and 1. It says, Brethren, if a man or woman be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. This right here, this scripture in the Bible lets us know how to deal with those that are rehabbing, going through rehabilitation and how to restore them. Because at some point on our journey, we will all need restoration. We will all need grace. 
you know, we get the grace from God. That's where it came from. Our Lord and Savior uh, was sent to the earth for all mankind in which he didn't come to condemn, but he came to save. So we as human beings that are spiritual or that are knowledgeable or did not fall in an area where somebody else fell, we should always uh, be willing to restore one uh, and should not hold their faults over their head. And the scripture says, do it in the spirit of meekness, you know, with humility, never feeling like we're better than or we're more than. Because we, 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 we not only deal with ourselves, many of us have children and grandchildren, we have family members, you know, so you never know when you would need someone to have that same spirit of meekness towards you or your loved ones or your household. So the scripture always tells us to consider ourselves, consider if, if it was you, what would you want done in the situation? especially if you were trying and if you were taking the initiative and uh, you were doing everything it took to better yourself as a person, you wouldn't want your past mistakes to be held over your head. Put it like this. You wouldn't want to forever be a victim of what you did yesterday, of what you have rehabbed for, of what you have sought healing for, and you know that you have been healed. Many people have just become a victim of poor circumstances Um, they've never been taught how to make a better choice. They've never had life and hope spoken to them. You know, they were brought up in bad communities, bad environments. All they seen is drugs and alcohol, gangs, and, you know, everything was a fight. Everything was a battle. Everything was war. So all they know is that. So, you know, when a person has been rehabbed and have been and have sought healing and they're on the road to recovery, we that are spiritual, we that are in leadership, we that are in government, come on, we that are in, in place, we that are in position, we that are CEOs, we that are bosses, come on, we that have businesses, we ought to uh, be willing to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And there it is. Peace and love till next time. If you have any questions for Doc, DJ, or Mike, please go to MikeDJandDoc.com. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. New episodes released on the 7th and 21st of each month. Matthew 25 and 40, Good News Translation, The King Will Reply. I tell you, whenever you did this for one of the least important of these followers of mine, you did it for me. We leave you with this question. Am I helping at least one person? The Mike DJ and Doc Podcast is brought to you by Silver Cup Investments. Recorded at Audio Hive Podcasting.